welcome to a special panel episode of Well Capitalized. I'm your host, Josh Noble, and I'm joined today by both Matt Wainert, Manager of Strategic Analytics at Connexus Credit Union, and Michael Davidson, Manager of Audit Services at Synergy Credit Union. Uh, how are you guys doing today? Good. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing good. It's Fat Tuesday, so I've been eating all day. That's perfect. Yeah, I saw the uh, break room here was just loaded with food, um, which I guess is not that abnormal for a credit union, really. <laughs> uh, so today's a bit of a different style of episode for Well Capitalized. Rather than doing an interview, uh, today's episode's really intended to be more of a roundtable discussion, and we're talking about consolidation in the credit union system. So I think that getting into consolidation conceptually is a really important thing. It's a driving force in the credit union system. Not a new one, it probably has been a or the driving force for the last four or five decades. But we're gonna really focus on consolidation, the logic of it, the folly of it, what we stand to gain, what we stand to lose, uh, and and options that are available. But I think first off, it's important to get to know you both. So uh, Matt, could you introduce yourself? What's your role in the uh, credit union system? What's your journey to that? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I'm coming up on 12 years within the credit union system. Um, so I kind of first started uh, with Solero, and that was back in 2007 or 2008. I can't remember now. Um, I was originally hired with Solero to work on banking system conversions. Uh, so that was moving all the credit unions off of the legacy Securus and Vision, Vision West platforms to AeroWorks, which we now know as DNA. Um, so for the first while, I worked with a whole bunch of credit unions throughout the prairies on that project. Um, I think I, if I added them all up, it'd be around 30, 30-ish credit unions over that period. Uh, from there, I went on to be product manager responsible for the banking system at Solero. And then uh, in 2013, I jumped over to Innovation Credit Union. Um, and there, I kind of led the formation of their analytics and business intelligence team. Uh, um, did that for a few years and then uh, decided to make a move over to Connexus just uh, in January of 2019. Uh, so I joined Connexus as the manager of strategic analytics and really there I'm kind of focused on advancing our uh, analytics capabilities. So I kind of see a few of our data scientists, some of our project resources and, and those types of um, things. Awesome. And Mike, for yourself, uh, what do you do in the Creighton system and how did you get here? Uh, so, so as you said, I'm the manager of internal audit. So I do all of those end of the day risk oversight things reporting to the board. I also, they have me doing some aspects of compliance here at Synergy Credit Union. So that's been sort of a neat thing. It's been fun because my background is formally, uh, I'm a CPA. So my entire background before this was smaller, medium business, uh, high-level financial accounting or control frameworks, um, SOX compliance, all of these sort of high-level international corporation pieces, and then, a, and, then, and then a little bit of media business stuff inside of Lloydminster. So I've only been with the credit union system. I'm coming up on four years. So in, in credit union system years, that's I'm basically brand new. And it's been really interesting so far. Nice. Well, I invited you guys to have this discussion. Uh, I know you're both thoughtful intentional professionals. I know you're well credentialed, Matt. You've got your MBA. Um, Michael, as you mentioned, CPA. You guys are both in senior enough positions that uh, you have some influence. You see some of the macro trends that are unfolding, uh, but you're still young enough to understand that 
you're going to have to live with the decisions that the system makes for the next uh, 20 or 30 years from your career. So uh, for you, standing where you do in, in the credit union system and in your, your specific credit union, but, but thinking about the system provincially, the system nationally, what comes to mind for you when you think about consolidation? Just the first impressions and thoughts, concerns, attitudes, what comes to mind? Okay, I'll take my first step at that one. So for me, uh, my first experience with consolidation when I was not part of the credit union system was in, I want to say, 2009 when Connexus Innovation and Synergy were looking to merge. And uh, Matt, you might remember that. It failed. And here in Lloydminster and kind of the region throughout, we were sort of the poison pill to that consolidation, to that province-wide consolidation. There was a very activist minority amongst our membership base uh, that rallied against such a large consolidation, such a large merger. And uh, whenever we talk about consolidation, I think about that. And uh, one of my capstone projects for school was to do a strategic assessment of any real corporation and, and provide feedback on what you think they ought to do. So I actually chose the merger between the three large credit unions and argued against consolidation, saying that it represents sort of a betrayal of the credit union and the cooperative principles so that that so whenever we talk about consolidation, that's like the first thing I remember. Like I have that flash in my head, and then now, you know, ten years later, having been in the credit union system for four years, you know, maybe my perception is skewed by the fact that most of the leadership accepts it as an inevitability that it must happen in order to leverage this technology. And I still remain credulous, but I kind of accept that it's inevitable. I don't accept that it must happen. Yeah, I remember that uh, that failed merger attempt amongst those three. At that point, I was I was working for Solero still, so I hadn't actually moved formally to a credit union uh, to a position within the credit union itself. Um, and yeah, it, it was an interesting concept. But I mean, I think the the interesting thing about that is that it kind of proves that the cooperative principles are still alive and well. Because I mean, fundamentally, the members have to support. Um, the big decisions like that, um, and in that case, the membership didn't support it, even though it was a vocal minority, um, and they didn't go through because of it. So, uh, to me, it's that's that's an interesting example that you raise. Um, for me, from a consolidation perspective, when I look at it, I mean, so I mentioned I worked with Solera, and I work with all those different credit unions, about 30 of them on their banking system conversions. Even if I look back now, of those 30 credit unions, 10 of them actually don't exist anymore. So that's like a third, and that's. Obviously, just a sample of one, and that's just my experience. Um, but uh, so when I think of mergers, I think like it's pretty wild how many have happened and how many continue to happen going forward. So now you said of those credit unions, ten uh, no longer exist. Yeah. So of those thirty that I worked with, I mean, ten of them have have subsequently merged, and I, I mean. Lots of people would say, well, I think the mergers have slowed down, but I mean, just I think it was a few weeks ago, maybe even in December now, you saw another merger announcement amongst Cornerstone Plains and Horizon. So uh, I think there's still lots of mergers out there and lots of appetite for them within the credit union system. Um, but obviously, there's there's people that are not in favor of them as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's by no means a new issue. Uh, 301 credit unions in Saskatchewan in 1965 and 39, 38, something like that today, and, and number of mergers uh, announced. So that's, you know, we're coming up on 60 years of consolidation. 
Uh, the thing that kind of comes to mind for me though is with the 60 years, like it, it does need to end at some point just in terms of like we have to reach kind of a singularity. So whether that's one credit union or whether that's one in each province or, or whatever that sort of end state is. And I do wonder if, if this is kind of a 60 or a 70 or a 100 year journey to that point, what, what does that look like once we get there? Yeah, I mean, oh, sorry, go ahead, Michael. No, you go. I, I, I don't know the answer. Go for it, man. I'll riff off you. Okay. So I, I was just going to say, I mean, when I look at that, like, I don't think we're that far off from, I'm not saying that we're at one credit union yet, but when you look in Saskatchewan, um, we've got a real disparity around the size of the credit unions. Um, so if you look at Saskatchewan, and overall, the credit union system for the largest credit unions in Saskatchewan represents 70% of the assets. So, like, there's four of them that represent 70, and then the remaining 30% are, of the assets are represented by the, I think there's 60 altogether. Um, so there's quite a quite a lot consolidated within the four largest. So, I, I mean, that whole concept of singularity, I, I'm not saying we're there by any means, but I don't think we're that far from that part of it either. What does that look like? Uh, that's an interesting question. I, I think it, it, it ended up being indistinguishable from a bank. I, I think that's that's the route we're heading on if we keep heading on this route. And and my big question is, and I've shared this in the past, is, is this a reflection of what truly the public wants? Does it truly really find no value in the cooperative system anymore? in the in the shop local and the buy local and all of our changes are just a reflection of that or are we creating our own are we creating our own reality and then we'll start to see small credit unions pop up again you know and i, I always liken it you know like to the artisanal beer market right probably at one time in the beer industry in the 70s all of the beer makers got together and said oh, there can only be three or four big beer players and that was true for a while, and now there's artisanal ones again. So are we, who are we? Are we creating the, the one big system because that's what the people want, or are we just doing it because we feel we must? That's, that's sort of the questions I have. I don't really know what it looks like. It just leads me to more questions. Mm -hmm. It does seem that that is one possible future, though it feels unlikely in some ways that there is a, a resurgence where communities say, We've come to the you know, Canadian Credit Union, and it's headquartered out of Toronto, and it feels in every way like a bank, so we're all going to start our own credit unions. I just know that the regulatory burden uh, of starting a financial institution is pretty intense. So I, I do agree that that is one future, that we sort of see um, a grassroots response that sort of creates like a parallel or alternative credit union system in response to an entirely consolidated, a singularity credit union system. If, if the market pressures towards scale and bigness, um, are there ways that, is there a way that you can create smallness in the bigness? Is there, is there ways of uh, exercising the sort of cooperative difference in a context where you have 
3 million members or 10 million members or whatever? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's kind of one of the key parts of it. So although credit unions grow, and I mean, some would argue that as credit unions get larger and larger, that they start to um, lose kind of that connection with their local community, which we all know is one of the key um, cooperative principles. But I mean, I would argue that I, I see a lot of those large, large credit unions that still have very tight relationships with their communities and they're very active in their local communities. Um, Connexus being one of them, I mean, we are very involved in a number of different community initiatives and well known within the local communities that we operate in. So I, I'm not sure that um, scale necessarily results in losing the the touch, I guess, to your uh, to your cooperative principles. Um, it certainly could, but I think as we grow, we just need to continue to maintain those values and maintain our, our cooperative principles and keep them at our forefront. You know, I want to I want to challenge something in something you just said, Josh. We talk about the regulatory burden a lot, and. Uh, and maybe just from my perspective and a, of a risk and compliance guy, and heaven help me if a risk and compliance guy listens to this, or gal, uh, I don't find the regulatory burden as cumbersome as some people think it is. And I think there's more wiggle room in our provincial regulatory burden than we think. So right now in Saskatchewan, so for those of you listening, we follow Saskatchewan Kutch, they, they copy-paste straight from OSP, which, which is, can be very disappointing because they don't scale or they don't give us wiggle room to leverage our capital or reinvest in different ways when, because of our low risk nature, we I feel we ought to have that freedom. So I think we can change some of the accepted truths about regulation uh, through actually the democratic movement, through you know some petitioning, through informing our membership and things like that. So I, I don't accept that the regulatory burden is an inevitability, is a, is a always must be this way. Even when I look at privacy legislation or money laundering legislation, they're really about key principles and core tenets, and then just proving that you're being prudent. So if we just take the time and be thoughtful, I, I think we can find effective ways to still be competitive under our regulatory burden, and and, and be still maintain that small and medium size too. Uh, but but I also like what Matt has to say is just because you're big doesn't mean you lose touch with your community. It just means you're big. Uh, so there's validity in that too. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I was just going to say, like, I'll, I mean, I'll preface this by discrediting myself. I'm not a regulator, nor do I pretend to know everything there is to know about uh, the regulatory environment that we operate in. I will say, though, that when I was at Innovation, one of the key things that Innovation Credit Union is working through is becoming a federal um, credit union. And it'll be a multi year journey for them, but I mean, reviewing the um, the regulatory requirements that are that OSPE has of that credit union or had of that credit union in comparison to the ones that Kutch had, um, they're quite a bit more complex and, and quite a bit more um, in depth, I guess I would say, than, than what we were used to with Kutch. So um, I do think the regulatory piece does play a little bit of a component to it, but I don't think it's necessarily the be all and end all. Yeah. I just I hear that used all the time, and, and I have to apologize. That's one of my trigger phrases. I hear that used as the excuse for consolidation all the time, and I think that that I don't think that that is necessarily the whole truth. But sometimes we use it as a blanket approach to sort of push our 
beliefs about what is inevitable. Sure. Yeah, like a confirmation bias kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I want to touch a little more on uh, being connected with the community, because I'm thinking there is kind of two pieces to this. There's the uh, identity connection with the community of, you know, my hometown credit union with my hometown's name on the door, and I feel connected to that somehow. And I understand that as a sort of connection piece, but, but there is something very feeling-y about it. And so then the conversation can become, can you still have that kind of feeling um, if it's not your hometown name? And uh, I, I think that most credit unions that, don't, that aren't town name credit union um, would say, yeah, it's, it's absolutely possible. Um, the thing that I'm sort of wondering about is more structurally, do we see, is there ways that we can create governance structures for, um, for, for littleness within bigness when it comes to how the, the, the benefits of cooperation are apportioned? Because I don't think it's just I'm comfortable here or I like the colors. I think that structurally people want to know that um, the decision makers aren't two provinces away. They want to know that their community is going to see volunteerism happening. They want to know that their community is going to see the donation dollars, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I still think that we are able to do pretty well at, at most credit union levels because mostly we're, we're still provincial or regional. Um, but if you start to scale it up to the singularity, uh, how do you negotiate those kinds of questions? That's an interesting question. And this is when I talk a lot about in the approach to risk and compliance when I'm asked to weigh in. One of the questions we always ask ourselves is, do we know this member? You know, is this the right member? Are we doing this for the right reasons? Because I think that feeling that you talk about that the individual has, whether or not it's Regina Credit Union or Connexus Credit Union, comes down to do they come into the building and do they feel like there's somebody? And how we try to make that come through, at least in this risk and compliance, and I see it in our lending, is, is we ask, we first, we don't ask ourselves the question about whether or not we should give them the money, but do they fit with us and who we want to be and do we know these people? And if the answer is that is yes, we give them a different, we can give them a different service, we can give them a different experience because we tap into that local piece. So I think probably it comes down to leadership, right? Asking the right questions, not making it just about a scorecard or not just making it about metrics. It's also about the human factor. And I think that's how we keep it. And, and I bet you Connexus is very good at that. So Matt tells me that, you know, they still have that small town feel. I bet you if you go into one of those branches, they still know and communicate with all their members in their community. So I think, I think that's probably the secret there. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's also, I mean, a big part of it as well is also um, what we kind of stand for and what we represent. So going back to those kind of cooperative principles and cooperative values, I, if I look at, if I was to compare, say, Connexus to a bank, um, banks are still very profit-driven. Um, at Connexus, in the last year or so, we've gone, we've actually switched all of our, um, all of our staff's goals from, you know, grow your deposit portfolio to this or grow your loan portfolio to that, um, to more of a financial health score. So we built a, an algorithm that actually determines a member's financial health. Um, and the, 
the staff are now tasked with improving their members' financial health scores as well as improving their overall portfolio's financial health score. So it's less about um, trying to bring in deposits and trying to to uh, generate dollars and generate revenue and more about um, trying to improve the members' financial well-being or financial health. So I think that's another kind of key difference, at least for from Connexus's point of view, is that we're keeping those relationships with our members, but trying to do what's best for them, as opposed to just trying to generate more dollars. Yeah, and that sort of culture and ethos is, is a critical piece of the credit union system, concern for community and, uh, and so forth. I, I think that that's, that's critical. I think that a lot of that comes to the tone that board and executive strike and then how they align the incentive structures for staff. Thinking about governance structures more particularly, uh, imagining the, the Canadian credit union example then how would, how would you imagine uh, building a structure to think about what the board of directors should look like in that future? Yeah, I mean, I guess you've, you've seen some credit unions experiment with the, the governance structure over, and I don't know if experiment's necessarily the right word, but, but play with those types of structures. Um, so I, and I don't know all of the details behind it or how successful or if it was or not, um, but I know Affinity explored that very closely when they um, did a number of mergers over the last um, five or so years, where they had kind of a, a regional um, board of sorts, and there was a representative from that regional board that then sat on the overall um, Affinity board. Um, but I, I mean, governance is certainly not my specialty, so I, I don't know uh, kind of the implications of that or uh, what the effect it had or what effect it had on, on the overall structure of the organization. Um, but I think that's kind of where you're going a little bit, Josh, is you're, you're suggesting or thinking that maybe something like that could work. Is that fair? Yeah, I think if our if our destiny is federal, it almost seems as if like government, we need federal, provincial and municipal structures. Um, but then when you, when you layer those kinds of structures, you lose a lot of efficiency, um, and, uh, and and people have to care enough to do it. Um, but I, I do wonder, just at, at mass scale, um, if, if you need sort of layers of community, democratic, government engagement, but then what are the powers that different levels would be empowered with and does it become a struggle because no one wants to do them etc etc um, or is that a really key part of maintaining that cooperative difference in the face of um, the, the efficiency and scale that we uh, need if that is truly an inevitability uh, is that is that one solution to keeping our smallness in our bigness I don't, I don't think so. so. I don't think governance is the answer. Uh, I have two contrasting experiences on this that make me feel that way. The first one is I went to the, uh, what's the Rosetown Credit Union? Prairie Center Credit Union website once upon a time. And I was just, you know, clicking on stuff. And I think I went under the lending practices link or something like that. And they had a little paragraph there. And they said, you know, just so everyone knows, 
people who sit on the board. I'm paraphrasing here. I'm not getting this right. It was much more professional. Uh, just so everyone knows, whoever sits on the board doesn't go and look at individual credits and board members aren't reviewing your loan files. And I thought that was so profound because there was a time when that was the thing that credit unions did and that was their competitive advantage. And nowadays, the idea that a board member would actually look at a loan file is, is absolutely ridiculous unless it was a specific type, unless it exceeded X millions of dollars or was for a close related party. Uh, but when you give up that sort of oversight, you move into that governance board, which is also good, but then it just becomes about strategic alignment and big bank metrics and big bank behaviors. So you can't win either way in the governance model um, because people today, I really do accept that they want more anonymity. Uh, so the governance model of being sort of big and distant and not getting into the degree supports that. Whereas you lose that local flavor. So I don't think the government's model can be everything to all people. So I think we need to look for the solution elsewhere. So I think the governance model needs to still be high level, but then in how we roll out our product suite, I think that's where we keep our flavor. So we can have the board say this, this, and this, but maybe we have a different style of product suite where we more closely relate the relationships between the deposits and loans so that our members fully understand the impacts of the choices that make within our product suite. That's sort of something I've played with. Like, I, I just don't think it's achievable in the governance structure. Yeah. Yeah, that, and, and that, I, I know the, the challenges that credit unions face in recruiting uh, board members and volunteers. And so, you know, I, I have some doubts about it. The flip side is I see someone like Mac and the controversy that they occasionally face where, um, average everyday members don't have a chance to sit on that board because they're looking for a pretty specific skill set because it's a, a multi-million um, dollar retailer that requires a very specialized set of skills to guide. Um, and and, and I, I mean, there's plenty of people who are just, I'm just, I'm sure I'm a member, but I'm just kind of buying my stuff here. But there is a kind of activist wing of any cooperative that says, you know, I want to have a voice here and, and that's a differentiator for them. Right. Yeah, I, I don't know, it's sort of a tricky proposition. And then when we look at the, yeah, I just, I don't think governance is the way, I don't think we can do it in governance. Yeah, I don't, I don't think governance, like building a layered governance model, I don't think is, going to be a, a silver bullet to, to make that work. Um, I Yeah, but I, I don't know. Again, I am a little bit disconnected from the governance side of, of the credit union, so I, I can't comment a whole bunch on, on whether that would work or not. Do you, do you feel that the, uh, the inevitability of further consolidation is basically a done deal? Like, in my opinion, I, I think that, um, and just from what I've observed in my time in the credit union system, I, I think that you'll see um, the merger activity kind of ebb and flow a little bit. So it, it seems to me, at least from what I've seen, that there's periods where um, credit unions will go through a whole bunch of consolidation, and then periods where 
there won't be any sort of mergers or consolidation, at least in the Saskatchewan marketplace. So if I look at it and if I look at an organization like Affinity, for example, um, so when I first kind of started paying attention to the credit union system and enjoying it, um, that was back in 2007, 2008. And I mean, at that point, Affinity was like quite small. I mean, they were 660 million, um, whereas Connexus was like 2.3 billion. So there was a huge disparity between those two, or between the, those two credit unions uh, within the province. By the time, if you look at just most recently last year, I mean, Affinity and Connexus are like neck and neck, and a large part of that is from an asset size point of view, um, and a large part of that was through uh, Affinity's consolidation um, kind of path that they went on over the last few years, where they uh, merged with a number of smaller and medium-sized credit unions that resulted in, that, in substantial growth for them. So, I, but then again, Affinity in the last three or four years, I don't think you've seen any mergers. So, I think you'll see credit unions that'll that'll go and that'll um, continue to go out there and look for merger partners and that sort of thing. Um, but I think there's lots of that will remain kind of independent as long as they can to really represent their community as best they can. I think it feels inevitable to me um, in part because I, I don't have a lot of belief that we'll see a mass move of new credit unions popping up. Maybe that could happen in the context of large credit unions creating sort of subsidiaries, but I don't see just sort of a grassroots people saying, you know, we need to create our own. Um, I think that, that would be a, a, a real exception. Um, and there's no um, history or structure for a credit union to uh, unmerge or to, to break into, into two. And so the only way that we can go is to, towards consolidation. There's only a structure towards consolidation. There isn't really the appetite um, for creating new, new um, credit unions to, to um, bolster there being new numbers. And there isn't, uh, and there isn't yeah, a way that credit unions um, can, can unmerge. So I think just as you can only make the decision to merge that, so it does feel like that is the sort of inevitable destiny with the exception of maybe creating subsidiaries uh, or um, or something like that. So that's I, an interesting idea. Like like to, to say there's only one decision, stay the same, that's an interesting idea. Uh, I think if there is a disruption, if there, because you talked about we won't see new credit unions pop up, I think there could be, there's only one scenario where I see that happening. Because uh, if you believe that credit unions exist, first came into existence to serve the underserved, right? If we oversimplify it like that, then I think there's potential in our First Nations. I think they're a, a critically underserved piece of our population that nobody is really aggressively looking into serving. And that if we as credit unions don't leadership into that space, there might be a solution that disrupts us that will be credit union-like that, that, that could, could change the way we have this conversation. Hmm. That's, that, that's the only place where I feel like there's a potential disruption if we don't get good at bringing our values and learning about their culture and, and bringing them together. So in some ways... Yeah. No, no, you go ahead. Go ahead, Matt. 
Yeah, I was just going to say, I, I, I don't know, I mean, I, I can't speak to that a whole bunch. I, I will say, though, that I mean, you do see a lot of disruption coming through the fintech lens, um, where you see uh, credit, you know, not credit unions, but these smaller fintech type firms or these smaller, um, like, challenger banks that show up and they kind of take little pieces of our business and they start doing it really, really well. So I think you may see that sort of thing where you see almost like a mini bank or a mini financial institution popping up that gets really, really good at one specific thing. But I hadn't really ever considered um, the formation of a new credit union, like a new credit union altogether. I, I'm not aware of any, like and maybe you guys know, but I, I'm not aware of any that have formed, at least in my career, that are a brand new credit union that's completely not um, a subsidiary, as Josh said, or, or any sort of related to any sort of other um, organization. You know, we need to do a whole podcast on, you know, Josh, Matt, and Michael start their own credit union. <laughs> Here's how. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, it could be, I don't know if you guys listened to um, Startup, the podcast from Gimlet, but it could be the credit union version of that. Uh, it does seem, though, that consolidation to me is kind of the, the antithesis to uh, startup culture. And I do wonder where, is, where are the, the seeds of credit union startup culture? If, if we feel like the market is pretty stagnant, it's expensive to compete, for that one, two, five, ten percent of the market that can be won. Um, and so you need to build a better mousetrap and just disrupt the whole market and just be the Netflix to someone's blockbuster. Like, where are the shoots of that in the creating system? I mean, you certainly see it at Connexus um, in a quite literal way with the, the incubator. Um, and I know that there's some credit unions who have, are a couple of decades in on having online only um, bank or credit union subsidiaries. Um, are, are there other uh, other areas where we have some of this sort of startup mentality where we're thinking like 10x rather than 10 percent? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not aware of any. I think you've listed kind of the examples that, that I know of. I mean, you see um, Assiniboine Credit Union has that uh, virtual bank in virtual credit union in Manitoba, and then you've got the subsidiary banks um, like Alterna or Modus that are owned by credit unions. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm not aware of any any sort of kind of other options around that. Um, from Connex's point of view, I mean, we're, we see it more as supporting, like our cultivator and our, our incubator is more around supporting the local businesses or supporting the local startup community. Um, so it's not... Uh, at this point anyway, targeted in any way at, at growing um, Connexus's business overall or, or coming up with, you know, a cool new kind of financial services offering out of there. Um, those startups are very much, we see that as a way of supporting the local economy through supporting startups, um, through growing those into larger businesses, um, that sort of thing. We've never really taken it as a financial services kind of what if we talking about shoots what if we rethought credit unions reason for existence instead of offering bank like services as a social enterprise would that would that change our perspective in 
what causes these offshoots? You know, like what if what if the credit union doesn't like what if banking is just incidental? What if we really existed to strengthen our communities? Would that change the way we perceive potential, you know, upshoots or potential disruptions to our marketplace? One of the things, so I'll expand on that. So one of the things that I've had somebody talk to me about, uh, about having a local branch of a credit union isn't just the dividends, but it's the employment, you know, it's the, the keeping the downtown alive. It's all of these things that extend just beyond your member share. Um, so what if it existed just as a social enterprise, like, and it made just enough money to offer like a base level of service, right? Would that, would that disrupt? What if we started to rethink it? Or what if our members rethought of it that way? Would that be different? With, with the implication being, um, that you could see those startups, that you could see that disruption in the space. Mm -hmm. and, and that that would include a sort of diversification of what the business is itself, or just sort of right. rethinking how. Right, and that might slow down the consolidation track, right? Because we don't exist just to provide banking services anymore. Now we exist to create meaningful employment. Now we exist to support charities. Now we exist to you know, have that incubator that Connexus has. And so all of a sudden, you know, at a corporate level, at a system level, we recognize that we don't just exist to provide loans for those who otherwise wouldn't get loans, but we also exist to provide meaning and culture in our communities. That, that might be the antithesis to this consolidation culture. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, no, no, I'm it's, way it's, up to lunch. It's, it's, yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I just have never thought of it that way, so I'm not really sure uh, how that would work exactly. Um, yeah, I, I'm not sure. I, I would have to ponder that a little more. Yeah. I I also don't know. I, I love the emphasis on um, what if, and I love the values first um, notion. I, I, I also am not sure then what the implications would be, but, um, but I'm curious, which is probably the right direction. Yeah. So just as we think about kind of wrapping this up, um, appreciating you guys' insight and uh, comments and, and the kind of uh, things we're bouncing off one another here. Uh, I'm curious for you, what do you see as being the, the near-term future um, for the, the credit union system in terms of consolidation uh, and also in terms of the opportunities and threats that we need to navigate I'm thinking coming five, 10 years. Well, in the short term, so what are my thoughts on consolidation? In the short term, it's an inevitability. Uh, there's the current state of leaders, I believe, have sort of accepted it as an inevitability. It's the only way to answer some of the questions about emerging technologies and regulatory burdens. So I think, you know, I accept Matt's point that these things come in ebbs and flows. And I think right now we're in a flow. Uh, in the next five to years, I think we'll definitely go into an ebb and we'll see it slow down. We'll see uh, a reinvestment in core cooperative values and maybe a rethink of what our value proposition is. I think, I think that's really where we, in terms of opportunities, stand to gain is when we stop thinking of ourselves as financial institutions and sprinkle in a little bit more social enterprise, we'll start to differentiate better again. In terms of threats, well, I could be 100% wrong and you know, it turns out that the public at large has heard the credit union message, 
understands the cooperative principles and just doesn't care. And in that case, we slowly begin the long grind down to either becoming a bank or going out of existence. Yeah, and I mean, I, I definitely agree on the ebbs and flows part of the, the mergers. Like, I, I think you'll consider just uh, continue to see the mergers and consolidations happen. Um, I think you'll see all kinds of flavors of that. You'll see uh, credit unions that are that just are adamantly against mergers and consolidations, but then you'll see some that it just makes sense for them to do it. Um, so I think you'll see that a lot. I think that that I think what we'll see in the near future, like in the next you know three to five years, is probably a little bit more merger and consolidation at the federal level as we, as more and more credit unions move into the the federal space. Um, so you'll start to see cross-provincial credit unions that are um, that are a result of merged credit unions within the provinces or just a credit union that's gone federal and has started expanding outside of its outside of its borders. Uh, so I think that will continue to happen. I, I mean, going back to the fintech commentary before, I think that will continue to be a, a threat to us overall. Um, there's a, a ton of fintechs within the, the province of Saskatchewan and they're continuing there within um, within the province, but within the country overall, and they're continuing to innovate and, and build these cool new products and services. Um, so I think they'll continue to be a challenge that we'll have to, to deal with and navigate. Awesome. Well, guys, I am really excited for the coming years to be navigating this on the ground with you. Um, for you both working, serving in the credit union system, um, being uh, a part of something that's beyond banking. Uh, wish you both the best uh, and uh, I hope that we can keep this conversation going even if it's uh, informally as we lean into what the future is going to bring. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Josh. Yeah, it's lots of fun. <laughs>